everyone. This is Becky Hennessy at Reformers Co. And I am excited about my guest today. She is a return guest. And the reason why we're having Farrell come back today is because number one, she was the most listened to podcast yet we've had so far. And number two, she is doing it. She is reforming South Dallas and um, her whole life is committed to doing this. And so I love that we get to talk to someone who's actually doing it. And um, she has the word of God in her heart. She's fighting the spiritual battles, and she's out there changing South Dallas. And so, Farrell, thanks for coming back onto our podcast today. It is an honor. I am so happy to be in your presence. I love <laughs> being around Pastor Becky. Um, I just love being with you. So thank you for having me today. One of the things about Farrell is she was uh, a speaker at Reformers Co., our conference that we had in October. Yes. And so she, Farrell, you were on a panel for uh, City Transformation, mm -hmm. and you were also leading a breakout session. Mm -hmm. So tell me uh, what you saw in the people that came to the breakout session. So you, you were on this panel about city transformation, what it takes to transform a city, some of the obstacles, things like that. And then we had a breakout session for anybody who wanted to participate in transforming their city yes. to come to that. So what did you do in your breakout session, and what did what what did you see about the people who came? Oh, wow. So in our session, we broke groups into uh, tables of five to six people. They were of all ages. So we had, you know, the youngest was probably 17, 18, all the way up into the 80s. And what I saw is that we gave them a case study of a community where they had land and they could take that land and they could develop it into a kingdom community and they had all access of resources that they needed to do so and the ideas that they presented to us for transformation of that community it blew our minds I love this there was so much fire there was so much passion and these are people who are not professional real estate developers or architects but they drew the vision um, they came up with solutions to societal issues like homelessness and um, or, uh, orphan children and how to incorporate all of the different needs of a community from the the young people all the way to the elders of the community and I was astonished with the level of passion and creativity and solutions that were buried inside of the hearts of these people so good so what you saw was just a person who sh came to a conference to learn about what it is to be a reformer. And what you found was that God had already placed a burning passion in their heart to help people, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so transforming a community, that is all different levels. It's helping families, it's housing, yes. it's schools. Um, so let's just talk specifically about South Dallas, because that's where you're at. It's a certain zip code, isn't it? Does South Dallas have a certain zip code? Yes. So in Dallas, it's 75215 and 75210 zip codes. Okay. 75215, 75210. So two zip codes in South Dallas. Yes. So some of the problems in South Dallas, some of the um, challenges, the broken things is yes. what? What are your top five main 
broken things. Oh, okay. So there's um, definitely poverty would be a stronghold in the area. When you say poverty, tell me what that looks like to you, what that means. Okay. Poverty means that um, a majority of the neighborhood lives below uh, the poverty line. So at one point there was a measure with Bontom Farms that a large majority of the population was living below $13,000 a year of annual income. Okay, you guys. Put your mind around that, you know, and I think I read poverty was like 24, 25,000 and less, depending on, you know, how many people are in your home kind of thing. But um, to the vast 99.9% of you, can you imagine, you know, trying to live on, you know, less than what, 25,000 or 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 even 30. So those numbers have changed now, but in today's economy, uh, a household size of, of thirty of one or two under thirty thousand or forty thousand would still be considered poverty, mm-hmm. and so a vast majority of people in South Dallas live under the poverty line. They also um, there's a about seventy five percent of the households are um, renter occupied, which means only twenty five percent of the people actually own property. And without ownership, they lack the control and the voice in the community um, that they need to advocate for themselves. So that's what I was going to ask you, and you already answered it. The difference between um, when we say affordable housing, sometimes we think it means just a home or an apartment where people can rent. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about home ownership, that's different. It's very important for people to be able to own their own home. That's a passion with me right now. Yes. And you say it because it gives them a voice. It gives them some say of what happens. What else does it? do for a person to own their own home rather than rent a home? Oh, wow. Well, when you own your home, um, you are able to decide the the rules of that environment that you live in. Many people that rent are subject to increasing rents. They're subject to um, an atmosphere that they necessarily wouldn't want to involve themselves in in a particular apartment building or in a particular area but you're able to control what happens on your property and really around your property when you're an owner and can you tell me what it means for long-term wealth for a person um you know legacy for a person who owns yeah i wish i had the numbers right in front of me but when you look at the net worth of an owner i believe that it's it's six times higher for an owner than it is a renter. Mm. I'll have to come back with those exact figures. But when you own your home, you're able to obtain equity through the the increasing value of that community that you live in. Mm-hmm. When you rent, you are in the real estate market. You're just not actively participating in any of the wealth yourself. You're mm-hmm. making your landlords wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so when you own, you're able to um, have stabilized payments of whatever your rent is. It doesn't change. It becomes your mortgage. Right. And you typically pay a fixed payment for a long period of time. So good. So it is a passion for you because uh, that's what your business That's what you're doing to get people into home ownership. It's a passion for me because I've had some friends who lived their life uh, renting and Mm -hmm. then they got to be able to own their own home and the difference in their security, the lack of fear, the just uh, constants and just to know that there is some there's equity being built, especially with this market now increasing. It brings them so much joy to know that they could actually they're not going to right now because they'd have to turn around and buy, but they could actually sell their home mm-hmm. and and have some money, you know. Oh yes. So that's really cool. So okay, so home ownership uh, in South Dallas is mostly seventy five percent rental. What mm-hmm. else? 
So um, when we when we talk about the different issues of South Dallas, there is high drug and alcohol uh, or chemical dependency rate. Um, it seems to be an area where the homeless have sort of been pushed into a corner. And so if you look at statistics for Dallas, there's a housing shortage. So when we see homeless, there just simply is not enough space in the emergency shelters for the homeless to go. And South Dallas seems to be the place where they go when there's no beds for them, mm. so to speak, in the end. I see. So um, here, here's the issue. We see homelessness. I just came back from California. And oh my goodness, the homelessness in California is crazy. Like nowhere you can go on the beach or anywhere without, um, we actually had a family move here to Dallas or to Cedar Hill area. And they're like, where's all the homeless people? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, South Dallas, South they, they're Dallas, there, yeah. yeah, under the bridges there yeah. and things like that. So when we see that, we want to just get them into a place off the streets. Mm-hmm. But what causes people to actually become homeless in the first place is the deeper issue. And so there's a lot of ministries, a lot of organizations that are trying to solve this problem. So you, particularly in South Dallas, what do you see as a a burning desire to help the situation for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I applaud everybody who does anything to help someone in need, even if it's just giving them, you know, change out of your car. Right. But what I see is that most of the solutions are surrounding the surface issue of meeting daily needs, physical needs, when uh, there is very little being done to address the root cause of homelessness, which goes down to um, the spiritual um, issues in the community or in that person. It also goes to psychological, mental health illnesses, and it goes down to the fact that there simply is not affordable housing and jobs for these people that are suffering or facing homelessness. So if a family is making 12000 20000 a year, and you think of um, a mortgage or a rent, first and last month, first rent, you know, and then what, $1,500, $2,000 a month? I mean, it's impossible, right? Mm-hmm. And so we see the issues, the underlying issues. So what are you... What solutions are you coming up with for the homeless in South Dallas? Are you just trying to get rid of them, moving them somewhere else, you know, Uh, or what? What do you see as as for your city and 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 your responsibility? What do you see some answers for? I know uh, for one, you have Rahab's Refuge, right? Yep, I have Rahab Refuge Center. Um, There's one house I'm building now where there is a homeless man living in a tent in a in a lot across from that house. Well, guess what? Now he's living in our house. Get out of here. While it's under construction. So really? <laughs> instead of him sleeping in a tent, he's sleeping in our house. With your permission? With our permission. Okay. Yes, with our permission. Um, the, the solutions will be different every time. One thing that we are starting is Rahab Refuge Center, which is a transitional home for women who are suffering homelessness. And this is something that really anyone can do. If you have a house or if you uh, if you'd want to solve this problem, what we're doing is we're taking a home, renovating it so that it can accommodate six to eight women. And we are opening it as a home where women can come to live rent free for a period of time and receive um, inner healing. Um, They can receive rest. They can receive job training and counseling. And we're going to connect them with various resources to drug and alcohol um, 
recovery centers and all sorts of resources. What people don't realize is that many people who are homeless, they have very simple issues that can be simply solved with the right person's help. So some of those issues, they simply just don't have a social security card. Um, Homeless people who are over the age where they qualify for social security benefits, they simply need someone to take them to the various offices to get their driver's license uh, into the social security office to get enrolled in programs so that they can start receiving their benefit checks. I love that. And so those are some of the things that we'll be doing to help women overcome homelessness. So there's always something you can do. Yes. All different levels, all different degrees, you know. So some people who are just doing the felt needs, giving a meal. Pastor Nate, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the pastors from um, Trinity, he started a little church in uh, your neighborhood in South Dallas, right? Is it in South Dallas? It is. Um, And so he just started giving groceries or meals he would just take his little salary and and make sandwiches and and just begin to give them out to different people and strike up a conversation and then one of the bar owners uh Miss Kathy saw him like what are you doing you know in my neighborhood and uh he's blonde hair blue eyed so he kind of stands out a little bit and and so he built a relationship with her and then they actually started giving thanksgiving meals out of this bar and now they're having a weekly um, little church service and and taking some people to the you know state fair and just um, meeting needs and so there's something like that that you can do mm-hmm. there's buying and building a home and starting from scratch kind of thing you know yeah you know like you're doing I'd like to just say with with that example one thing I always struggle with is the size of the impact of what I'm doing. So when you look at the, the greater issue, there's 4,500 homeless people in Dallas. There's so many that are unsheltered and sleeping on the streets. And then I look at a house that, that's only going to provide housing for, for six to eight women. And you look at um, Nate and his impact of only being able to provide sandwiches. But from God's perspective, he only needed those fish and those few loaves of bread to be able to feed 5,000 plus people. So good. So our little bit of what we can contribute, God can expand and really have a larger impact. And the Lord was even showing me this morning that we're like icebergs. We only see the very tip. Mm. We only see the small size of our impact, but beneath the surface, there's so much more that's happening. And when I walk in that church where Nate is I can see the change, the transformation that those meals and those small little services, they're not small. It's having a very large impact on the community. And I applaud him for what he's doing. So good. And the big story that's coming out right now with Bonton Farms, they're like in national news because of um, some, you know, transitional housing for homeless, little mm-hmm. tiny homes. and But they've been working at this for, you know, eight, nine years now. They just started with a little Bible study, Darren going from North Dallas into Bonton Farms and doing a Bible study. Then he saw these men who were sickly. Mm-hmm. It was because they weren't able to get any fresh fruits or vegetables because they lived in a food desert, meaning it took them so long to get on a bus to go to a grocery store that actually had fruits and vegetables because they were buying their groceries from the corner liquor store or yes. something like that. Yes. And so he started a garden. And then from there, he got people's attention and, and they built a beautiful um restaurant and a coffee shop it's beautiful it's so beautiful they have this organic garden and now they're finally after all these years 
of doing things so beautiful for, as unto the Lord, they're getting national news. So, you know, what they're doing is, is huge and it's going to become a prototype. And so you never know what you're going to do if it's going to become like a prototype that people copy. Yes. But it's as unto the Lord, right? Yes. If you give yes. a cup of water to the least of these, mm-hmm. Matthew 25, mm-hmm. 40, you've taken that on for Rahab Refuge Center. Yes, whatever you've done. To the least of these, you've done unto me. That's what the Lord said. And the Lord said that to you through? Through a homeless person. That's right. So it's funny. My whole life is surrounded by these stories. But I was at the gas station and a, um, a homeless man stood by my pump. And I tried to go drive around to the next pump. And the Holy Spirit said, go back and park there. Um, And he corrected me because there is a fear of homeless people that sort of is ingrained, instilled in our society. Homeless people are simply people without a home. That does not mean that they are necessarily criminals or a threat to us. And so while I pumped my gas, I just started to make conversation with him. And he began to teach me about the Lord and how the Lord is his provider and how the Lord is his keeper. And as I went in the gas station to get him food and get him a few dollars, when I came out, he told me to go home and read Matthew twenty five forty, and that would be the answer to my question. Um, he didn't know that in my heart I had been asking the Lord, why am I doing this? Why am I talking to him? Wow. Why am I giving him this money? And when I went home that day, well, actually it was the next day when we were trying to find the theme of the Rahab Refuge Center, I opened the Bible and it said, whenever you've given a drink of water or whenever you've giving clothing or shelter to someone who is the least of these, you've also done it unto the Lord Jesus. Mm, So good. And that's what we do, right? As um, people with compassion, people, you know, who have, but uh, we have also taken that scripture a little bit step farther because I'm like in our meeting at our board meeting for Rahab Refuge Center, I'm like, oh, that's a good, uh, donation to ask people. So we're asking if you're watching today and you want to help uh, Rahab Refuge Center, go to RahabRefugeCenter.com and there's a place to donate. And um, I, I, I'm i doing it, $25.40 <laughs> because of Matthew 25, 40 yes, yes. a month will help pay for the mortgage and the basic food. And then we'll raise monies to uh, do bigger things, bigger projects and, and things like that. But we need that base money to keep it running. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, um, Matthew 2440. So we're asking 2540. Thank you. Rahabrefugecenter.com. And you'll see a place to donate there if you want to give and join me to give the 2540 a month. That would be awesome. So, so we have, um, homelessness we have home need need for home ownership uh, poverty what else do you see in south dallas oh there's there's so much well i want to talk about so, sort of the possibilities okay let's of, do that of south dallas awesome come on <laughs> turn so it around we we went on a prayer walk a few months ago and the lord had really show me a vision of of a group of people going to take territory just simply by walking and decreeing over the land And that was something that I'd never done. I'd never heard of. The next day, I'm reading a book called Possessing the Gates by Cindy Jacobs. And the chapter I open up is about prayer walks. I love it. And I almost threw the book. I'm like, oh, my Lord, that's a confirmation. That is such a God thing. That's how God intervenes. That's how God raises up 
reformers. He's yes. so actively involved in everything. Yes, he's so specific. Yeah. Uh, so I took that as a confirmation and I just went forward. The day of the prayer walk, people showed up from so many different community organizations and churches. And the one word that I could get was that we were unified. Mm. We were unified with one heart, one mind, and one prayer that South Dallas would be transformed. And so we went on a walk and we laid hands on every building that's on Martin Luther King Boulevard that uh, is the main road that goes through South Dallas. Well, since that prayer walk... I want to talk about some of the things Come that on, God has yes. done. <laughs> Prayer makes a difference. Makes God a difference. is the game changer, you guys. Yes. Uh, there was um, a, an old distressed uh, apartment building that is sort of a headquarters for drug activity and uh, prostitution in the community. Well, one random day after that prayer walk, a man walks into my office not knowing anything about what we've done. And he asked me if I want to help him buy that building. Get out of here. And redevelop it to be a a facility for the homeless and for the community. And I almost fell out of my chair because there's no way he could have known that we stood on that ground and we spoke to that land and we commanded the deed to transfer. And we took possession of that in the spiritual realm. And I said, Yes, I will help you. And he began to send me updates about how the city had gone in to condemn it and how the fire marshals had gone in. And there had been an active, a recent uh, murder in one of the of the apartment units and the blood was still on the floor and the family was still living in the place with the blood on the floor. And the city, um, the city attorney had gone in with her staff and had seen it. And it was irrefutable evidence that was now on record against the ownership of that property that it needed to be condemned and shut down. And so we're going through the process now, probably over the next six months to take possession of that property. I love that. Another, oh my goodness. Another thing that <laughs> happened uh, was we stood at the corner of the most historic building in South Dallas, uh, which is the Forest Theater. And this is a place that was uh, the first theater for African-Americans that was desegregated and where they could go in and watch a movie and watch a concert uh, and sit there as, without having to be segregated. Yeah. And and so this place has been abandoned and boarded, boarded up for a decade so we laid hands on this building and we commanded life to it and we commanded progress and that something would be placed there that would be a benefit to the community. Uh, a few months later, I was invited to the opening of the Forest Theater. I was standing inside the building looking at the plans. I was able to see the vision and I'm just asking the Lord, how did I get here? I didn't know anyone associated with this venture, but a few months later, I'm there present watching my prayers be answered. And then I was invited to be the broker with that organization to help them go after various sites in South Dallas that we had prayed over that they want to now purchase and transform into developments that'll benefit the community. Oh my goodness. I love this. 
Obedience matters. Just do something, right? Just do it. Do something and do it with God. Prayer makes a difference. The prayer walking, possessing the land. I love it. Yes. I love the, yes. the authority. You have such faith, Farrell. You have such faith and belief that what you do really makes a difference and God blesses that. I just think that's amazing. So what would your um, advice, your um, instruction to anybody who's listening here who just so blown away with what God's doing in your life and how would you, what would you say to them? Well, I would say that faith is vision in action. So when the Lord impresses a vision upon you, it may seem subtle. It may seem impossible. He's showing you what can be. He's showing you what he wants to be. And it's our job to partner with him by simply taking a step We don't have to know the whole plan. We don't have to have the full budget. We simply have to say yes, agree with the vision, and take a step of faith. That's what I've done, and everything I've been able to accomplish has been by blind faith, by simply saying yes to God, the same way you have done by supporting Rahab Refuge Center, and the same way I've seen your church grow and I've seen the fruit out of your life is the same way that I've I've been able to experience with the Lord by simply just saying yes to him. That's it. I mean, God is faithful to his word. His word is true and it's powerful and partnering with God is the most exciting thing that you could do. You have had a little bit of a pushback. There is warfare in this, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I saw is. you, we were having the opening launch of Rahab Refuge. And during the time while we were having that launch um, to raise money for, to get the word out, your daughter was in the hospital Yes, and your husband wasn't able to be there. Um, you know, you I've seen you post things about building these buildings and you have good heart and good intention for it to be, you know, for a godly purpose, for, you know, transformation of a city, and yet you have things stolen from you, you have things, um, you know, people come onto your property, take things. So talk to me about that. What do you do with that? Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, it's just a part of the process. So um, in possessing the gates, there's a line that Cindy Jacobs says, it says, "If if you're possessing the land, And there's no giants in the land. You're simply a tourist. Mm. So you expect the giants to be there. I don't uh, ever become crushed when something comes to oppose what I'm doing because it's not opposing me. It's opposing the plan of God over my life. So good. And so in those moments, um, I just have to press in more to the Lord to be able to not be crumbled and crushed under the pressure of what is coming against me because I know that he's with me. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, yes, she's fine. I knew it was an attack and the way that I knew it was attack was because of the timing of it happening at the exact moment right. when we're going to advocate for the least and for those that are in the greatest need, the focus was now being placed on myself and my family and my what was happening to me. And I know that's how the enemy works. He wants us to take our focus off of the Lord and put it on ourselves. Yeah. And so by ignoring his attack, um, we were able to press through and my daughter was healed from the moment the, the event was over. That's incredible. So um, people quit too soon because the attack, you know, and so we we talk about it with all these 
Christ followers in Dallas or in, you know, the America or around the world, why isn't the city different? Why mm-hmm. isn't the city healed? Yes. Why is there poverty? Why is there homelessness when there's so many uh, believers and followers of Christ, people who show up in church every Sunday, right, before yes. COVID kind of thing? And it's because the pushback. Yes. And we get so consumed with what's happening in our situation, our family, our children, our finances, that we get distracted, right? Do you think that that's, a, that's, that's I would true? Say that's a very accurate statement. Uh, it's the easiest way to get us off of our assignment mm-hmm. is to, to attack our families or to attack something that's very personal to us so that we will leave our post and go back to the thing where we're hurting, but what I've known and what I've experienced is that if we would just stay on our post, mm. God will fight that battle for us. So good. I love it. It reminds me of the story of Nehemiah in the Bible when he was moved with compassion to go back and build the walls of Jerusalem because they had rebuilt the temple, but the walls, the city mm-hmm. was still you know, in danger because the walls were broken down. And oh my gosh, all those guys that were represented the enemy, you know, and evil tried to get him distracted and off the wall. And um, he was just, God was just like, no, don't come down off the wall. Don't get distracted, you know, keep fighting. And then they got people with prayer, you know, behind the workers, you know. And so uh, I just admire you. I just, and you said that it was an assignment. Yes. I mean, you really believe that, right? Absolutely. Uh, anything that we do for the Lord, it needs to be an assignment. We need to be called to it. Otherwise, we'll get burnt out Mm -hmm. and we will not uh, count the cost and be able to finish what we've started. But you, you said something very important, and that's prayer. We cannot attempt to do anything without living a prayerful life. Um, that's something that I've cultivated and that the enemy is constantly warring against me to stop is my prayer life. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you just feel a difficulty praying or you feel resistance to your prayers. But I know that before any physical work is done or any volunteering or any of myself showing up, I need to show up in prayer first. How do you do that? You, you're a wife. You have two small children, three and, and seven. seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a business owner, many businesses. Uh, how do you find time to pray? Oh, you just make prayer a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just fall in love with talking to the Lord and worshiping Him as part of your normal routine. So for me, this morning while I'm eating breakfast, I'm like, oh, this is a great time to get down on my knees and bow before the Lord. I mean, I can do that and eat a banana at the same time. Like, why not? Wow. Um, Or in my office, yesterday, in the middle of my work day, I'm being anointed by a woman of God in my office. She's lathering oil all over me because my prayer life is everywhere. I don't care if I'm in my desk. I don't care if I'm in the drive through at Chick-fil-A. When, when there's a, a matter on my heart that I need to bring to my father, I just begin to pray with him and to him constantly everywhere that I go. And so before we do anything as a body of Christ, we've got to go back to the, to those the foundation, which is prayer. We know that Jesus always woke up early to pray and we saw the miracles and we focus on the miracles, but Mm -hmm. we don't focus on the prayer and the time that he spent with that intimacy with his father so that when it came time to work the miracle, he already had received his instructions and his strength. So good. I love hearing you talk about 
God as your father, like you didn't have a great relationship with your earthly father, but yet you did not allow that to impact your relationship with the heavenly father. A lot of people talk about God as being the father, but they don't really see him as a father. How has that changed your life? Wow. Well, God has really just been a father to me. I don't know how to explain it. Um, As a child, I remember spending so much time alone. Uh, My mother worked. She was a hardworking woman, and she did what she had to do to be able to care for her two children as a single mother. And so that left us alone quite often. And in those moments, I just remember the presence of the Lord would be with me, and I would sing to the Lord, and I would feel that he was a father to me and that I was never alone. And I remember as a little girl, I think I was 10 years old, when the Lord told me, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And those moments, that, that those words have stuck with me my whole life. So I know good. that when I'm in a dark alley going to take food to a homeless person and it's a dangerous situation, God says, I'll never leave you or forsake mm-hmm. you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And when I'm standing next to a man at a gas station at 930 at night, the Lord says, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So in these moments where I'm signing my name on contracts to buy properties that I financially should not be taking those risks, I'm hearing the Lord say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When I'm taking these huge leaps of faith to do things I've never done before and I'm terrified, the Lord is saying, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. (laughs) Like that fathering that he did when I was younger establish that trust. Mm. I trust him. I trust him so much that I'm willing to risk. I'm willing to risk everything I have financially. I'm willing to risk everything that matters to me because I trust him that he will not fail. That's beautiful. That's powerful. And that's the way he wants it to be. Would you pray over those who are listening today just for their hearts, for passion, for prayer and, and, um, for the, father relationship. Would you just do that? Yes, I will. Okay. Oh, great father, heavenly father. Thank you so much for each listener that you've brought here to this podcast today. I ask you, Lord, that that spirit of intercession and prayer would be released to each and every ear, every heart that is here today, Father. I thank you, Lord, that the communion of your spirit is now here, Lord, and that they have a love for communication with you, God. I ask that you would impart your visions upon them, that they would now begin to see your great plan for this nation and for the communities where they live, Lord. I ask that with the vision you give them, you would give them a measure of faith that they would be able to partner with that vision and begin to take action and that they would begin to become the reformers of their communities and of their cities, Lord. I ask you, God, that the spirit of the Lord would hover over them in all that they do and all that they desire and that you would be begin to give them fruit and increase in those actions that they take and that they would know that you are with them and that you love them and that you will never leave them and you will never forsake them. 
God. I ask that with the partnership of the Holy Spirit, that together we as your body would do great things and that what we do would leave a mark on this world and on history that will never be forgotten. And I ask God that with those few that say yes to you, that many will come into the kingdom and they will do great exploits for you and that the lost would come in and they would be saved. Their souls would be saved, Lord, and that those that are hurting and broken in the very least of society, that they will be healed and they will be restored back to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. 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 Wow. I just encourage all of you listeners to listen to that prayer over and over again, write it out and pray that prayer. It's okay to pray other people's words, prayers, because that was powerful. Thank you, Farrell, for your friendship. Thank you for being in my life. Thank and you. This is so funny because we talked about Cindy Jacobs and possessing the gates, and here she is walking into uh, my office right now. So Yes, let me say <laughs> one more thing. I just looked that my husband had bought me this book called The Reformation Manifesto back in 2019. Mm -hmm. I didn't even remember reading it, but I was on your reformers panel. I had signed a contract in that book in 2019 to become a reformer and to reform the world for the kingdom of the Lord. I never even remember signing it. And here we are, 2021, I was on the panel at the Reformers Collective right. Conference. About being a reformer. About being a reformer. That's cool because my next podcast is with Cindy about her new book, Reformers Arise, which was at first titled Reformers Manifesto. Wow. And I opened up mine and I had my name also written in that <laughs> first chapter, at the end of the first chapter. It's yes. like, are you willing to be a reformer? So that's awesome. Yes. So we honor Cindy Jacobs and she'll be on our next podcast. So thank you, Farrell, for being here with us. You are making a difference. You are a world changer. You are a beautiful, beautiful daughter of the King. So thank you so much for joining us today again. Thank you for having me. Hey, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed uh, this podcast with Farrell. She is a reformer and um, she is a mover shaker and a God lover. If you enjoy this podcast, would you just go like it and also just subscribe to our weekly podcast and tell other people about it. Um, it's changing lives. It's changing communities. And so thank you for being part of our Reformers Collective. And I just bless you today.